So, I'm a senior in high school. I'll be graduating this year, and I've already been accepted into my college of choice. Yay me. Originally, I wanted to talk about something that happened a long time ago, but I don't remember enough details that I don't think I would do it justice. Long story short, I was visible as a kid, and some old drunk guy came up to me while swinging with my mom and my sister watching, and began to ask me a ton of questions. Even when my dad came back, he still wasn't deterred from asking questions, but he didn't follow us when I left. On to the main topic. As you could tell from the title, I was getting my senior photos done. We decided to get our own senior photos done in a place that we wanted, and so we hired a photographer we've worked with for a while now. We hire her for yearly photos with me and my sister, because my parents like to have records of us growing up, and it's nice to be able to look at the differences. Key note here, she is a female, and my mom only came with me for the photos. By the way, no, she is not the one who caused this scare. I'm extremely comfortable with her as a photographer, and she's extremely good at what she does. She also puts up with me and my sister's antics while going to get the photos done, and even gets some shots of us just messing around, which look great. This was around when COVID started up, so we wore masks when we weren't taking photos, but we would put them on when we were done. Just as a side note, one of my outfits was a shirt that said, Okay, but first wash your hands. And I just had to wear a mask in the photo for that one. It was too good to not do. I wanted to get my photos done in a different city, and in the downtown area. I live in Texas, so it's pretty big, and there is a lot of variety in terms of backgrounds for shots I can choose from. I chose this specific place because there are loads of graffiti and wall murals that look just awesome to look at. Thankfully, our photographer had a studio where we could do indoor shots and touch up any makeup or hair. We brought three different outfits with us, and one of them had a shirt with a kind of low-cut v-neck. Not enough to be inappropriate, but made me look more mature. See, I tend to look two years younger than I am, but when paired with my hair actually having product in it, if I take care of it properly, I think it's somewhere between 2C and 3A, but that system is a little confusing to me. In the addition of makeup, I look to be around my age maybe a slight bit older. I'm still five foot tall, so that has a lot to do with it. Pair that with the more mature clothing, and I don't look like I'm 15, I actually look my age. It turns out, when it comes to creepy people, looking 17 does a lot. So, we start out in the studio and get my makeup and hair done, I already put product and anti-frizz in my hair before, but two specific trouble strands refused to corroborate, and we fiddled with them to make them less frizzy and cooperate. So for once, I don't actually look like a train wreck with a puffball on my head. We do the indoor shots, change into the third outfit, 
and decide to finish up with some of the mural shots. We walk for a bit, and I already get a quick moment of WTF. Some older guy, with a girl, walked past and just stared at my chest. Okay then, that wasn't exactly pleasant. I mentioned it to my mom and the photographer after we are out of earshot, and they aren't exactly amused by it. We see a few different neat murals and stop to take photos there. From the vantage point of one of them, we can see this really neat deck area that has vines crawling up white painted brick. We decide that can be our next destination. I also notice this rainbow mural and make note that I really want a photo in front of it for one of my photos. My mom mentions that we can do it after the vine one, and I agree, and we walk over to the patio. To give you a better idea of what this area was like, I'll give you a vantage point from the deck area. There are concrete white half walls on the border of the deck, with a few plants and benches placed neatly within. There is a road across from us with a few buildings, and a door to the left that leads into the probably offices, that are attached to the deck. The gate was open for the patio, and this place is common for photo shoots, so we knew that this was probably okay to shoot at. We settle for a spot with a nice-looking vine, and are about to start taking photos when this man catches my attention. He was walking from the right, in front of the walls, and seemed to be going in a straight trajectory. Though he seemed intoxicated, he was mumbling to himself and walking at an odd pace. He must have felt me look at him or something, because very quickly, we made eye contact. This man looks me up and down, goes back to eye contact, smiles, and then does the strangest thing I've ever experienced. This man starts to dance. No singing, no headphones, just... Straight eye contact and dancing as he walks. This guy leans up against the wall and rolls against it and keeps trying to hold eye contact with me. I just turn to the photographer and we quickly try to switch into some sort of normalcy. We took some photos and I was mostly just trying to not laugh. Not because I found it funny, but because I tend to chuckle when I'm in an uncomfortable situation like this. Though, I guess to an outsider, his weird fumbling would be kind of funny. Remember how I mentioned that it seemed he was going straight along the sidewalk? He changed his destination. He went up to the door to the offices, looking at me, still smiling as he did so, and then tried the doors. Once, twice, three times. I think he realized he wouldn't be able to get in, and decided to just lean against the wall and watch me. I think we all just unanimously decided that it was time to leave. That this was turning into something possibly dangerous. We didn't know how sane this guy was, or if he had any sort of weapon. But he was clearly unnaturally obsessed, and we needed to get back to the studio. The thing was... He was blocking the gate that we came in from. Thankfully, there was one on the other side of the deck that we could get out of. 
We start walking to the gate, and I'm adjusting my shirt to make sure nothing is seriously showing. I'm a pale teenage girl who got whiter than snow because I was worried about if this guy was going to get aggressive. The problem with people like this, that in my opinion can make them more dangerous than someone who is outwardly aggressive, is that you don't know what to expect. You can much more easily let your guard down around them, and that was the last thing I wanted to do. He followed us. He came onto the deck and followed us a few feet behind. This time he was singing, but he was still dancing. He wasn't paying attention to the photographer, and he wasn't paying attention to my mom. He was dead-ass zoned in on only me. We started to walk a bit faster and got out of the deck with him still following us. A few people walked past us, a couple probably just hanging out, but they didn't even bat an eye at this guy. He wasn't deterred by the people, and I could hear his occasionally weird singing as we headed to the more populated street. When we got to the crosswalk and crossed to the other side, he stopped following us. He just stood there by the light, watching us. No longer dancing, no longer smiling, just staring. Still at me, just focused solely on me. I personally think that the increase in people made it to where he couldn't follow us like before. It was much more likely someone would step in and tell him to cut it out. He wasn't wearing a mask, by the way, so he stood out amongst the other people. We didn't say anything until we got back into the studio. I was kind of freaked out. That kind of thing had never happened to me before. Sure, I had that weird guy talk to me as a kid, but he didn't follow me. I've had guys be assholes and stuff, and I've dealt with bullying, but I've never dealt with someone who was completely unpredictable. And not knowing what to expect, it was terrifying. Even though I really wanted that rainbow background photo, we decided to finish off the day with indoor shots. The only thing I was thinking about was, what if I had worn my romper instead? That shirt wasn't all that revealing, but the romper showed a little more. And not enough that it would be inappropriate, but enough that it made a difference. I was fine with that. It actually made me feel confident about my body, which was rare, but I know it would have attracted more eyes. I can only imagine what the difference in reaction might have been if I was wearing that during the outside photos, rather than jeans and a fancy shirt. What kind of change in behavior would that make for that guy? I don't want to think about what would have happened if we had one less person in our group, Two clearly grown women with a possible young adult is much more intimidating than one grown adult with a young adult. If I can figure out how, I'll attach a photo to the comment. You can clearly see how uncomfortable I am during this, and I have this weird half-smile going on. One of my friends who likes studying body language pointed out to me that I was fiddling with my ring in the photo, which I didn't even register in the moment. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed the story. If you have any idea what was up with this guy, if it was drugs or something else, let me know.
because I genuinely have no idea what it would be. I had totally forgotten about this story until my girlfriend reminded me of it a couple days ago. I started dating my girlfriend at the end of my senior year, and before we started dating, I used multiple dating apps. In many of my dating app profiles, I had my Snapchat listed so that people could add me. This is important. Nothing led to anything with the dating apps. I would talk to people for a bit, and eventually the conversation would die out. When I began dating my girlfriend, I had deleted the apps, but never deleted my account, meaning people could still see my profile and my Snapchat in it. I realized this after a few people would add me, but it didn't go anywhere because I would tell them that I had a girlfriend. As you would imagine, the conversation would just end there. But there was this one guy that added me, let's call him Adam, and he asked me if I was available. Being straight, I was used to guys adding me, so I gave him the usual response. Hey, sorry, I'm straight, and I have a girlfriend. I expected him to leave me alone, but he didn't. At first, the messages were normal. How was your day? What did you do today? Simple stuff like that. Being the nice guy that I am, I responded because I thought this guy just wanted to be friends, and having a gay friend is okay with me. Then, the messages progressively got more creepy. He started asking questions about my girlfriend, and not the basic questions. Questions like, do you guys have sex a lot? Or, does she like that you're good in bed? I simply responded with, those are kind of personal questions, and I don't feel like it's right for me to share my dating business. Adam would always apologize and then not talk to me for a few days. Then he would hit me up again and ask creepy questions again. I eventually told my girlfriend about the situation, and for those who don't know, my girlfriend is super sweet, but she is also very aggressively protective over me. So, she adds this guy and basically tells him that he needs to leave me alone. Unfortunately, this enraged Adam, who responded with saying that I needed to dump that bitch now because she is a C-word. Naturally, I defend my girlfriend and I block Adam. Everything was cool for a week until another account added me. The guy's name was Tyler and he was super chill. He was super nice to me and respected my relationship with my girlfriend. As the days go by, I started to notice that Tyler's vocabulary was very similar to Adam's. I wasn't sure about it, so I didn't make any assumptions that it was him. I gave Tyler's snap to my girlfriend, who then adds him to investigate. As soon as she adds Tyler's snap, Tyler flips out on her, which confirmed that it was... Adam. As soon as this realization is made, I blocked him again. From here, everything goes quiet from Adam for about a month. So I live in the suburbs of Chicago, 
and my girlfriend and I live down the street from each other. So, naturally, we do see each other a lot, and both of our families are really good friends. On top of that, our families would also house-sit or pet-sit for each other. Anyways, a month goes by until I get a letter with no address or name on it, just my name on the front. I open it, and to my shock and horror, it's basically a love letter from Adam. The premise of the letter was basically him saying that he loves me, and he wants me to run off with him. The letter also takes a very sexual turn halfway through, with him describing what he wants me to do to him and him to me. At this moment, two horrifying realizations hit me. One is that he knows my address, and two, he dropped that letter off himself, meaning that he's in my town. I immediately called my girlfriend, who was equally as shocked as I was, and after consulting with my parents, we call the cops. Unfortunately, since I had blocked as well as removed Adam's social media information, and the letter had no return address, there was nothing we could do about it. Day after day, letters would keep appearing in my mailbox, until they also started appearing in my girlfriend's mailbox as well. Her letters were far worse than mine. Adam wrote of how much he hated her, and how much he wanted to hurt her. He also stated many times the ways he would inflict pain onto her, until she broke up with me. Like me, she took this to the cops, and again... They could do nothing about it. My girlfriend's family had plans to go to Hawaii for vacation, and I was to house-sit for them. The first couple days went fine, until around one of the last nights of the week. As per usual, I was over at their house, watching TV on the couch, when the power went out. Mind you, this was around 1am, and it was pitch black when those lights went out. The next few seconds were silent, when I heard a window smash from the office. To understand this more, let me give you the layout of the house. When you entered the front door, to your left, was the living room. Straight ahead was both the kitchen and the stairs, and to the right was the office and dining room. On the upstairs level, as soon as you reached the top of the stairs, there was a bathroom straight ahead and my girlfriend's room was on the right, and other bedrooms were on the left. Immediately, I shot up and grabbed a kitchen knife, and ran upstairs to hide while I called the cops. I quickly got into my girlfriend's room and slipped into the closet. As soon as I was able to contact the operator, I heard the pounding of the intruder running up the stairs. Thankfully, I had relayed all the information to the operator in time, who then stayed on the phone as we both remained quiet. The intruder took a left when he reached the top of the stairs, which gave more time for the cops to arrive and for me to get ready just in case I needed to defend myself. A few minutes go by until I heard the intruder start walking towards my girlfriend's room. In the only few precious second that I had, I slipped out of the closet and positioned myself next to the door. As soon as he opened the door and started to enter the room, I took the kitchen knife and I drove it into his shoulder. 
A young man screamed in pain as I heard a heavy metallic object make a large thud as it hit the ground. From there, I bolted out of the house where I was met with my four squad cars and cops with their guns raised. I threw my hands up, shouting that he was upstairs in the right room. A few minutes go by, and the intruder was dragged out. Still screaming in pain, with the siren lights flooding the street, I got a glimpse of his face. It was Adam, and I was informed later by an officer that metallic thud was made by him dropping a handgun. Adam was from Texas, and he had traveled all the way up to my state to be with me. He had rented a room at a local motel, and would put letters in both my girlfriend's and my mailboxes daily. He would do this in the early hours of the morning, which was confirmed by the security footage of the motel he was staying at. That night, Adam had plans to kill my girlfriend and her family, so I would choose to be with him. He managed to pry open the power box and then switch off the power to her house, along with neighboring houses. He broke in with the intent of her being there. Well, unfortunately for him, she was enjoying a tropical vacation. To be honest, I have no idea how this outcome would be different if they did not go on vacation, and I'm so grateful that I still have my girlfriend, as well as her family alive. So, Adam, please stay the hell away from my girlfriend and me. This is my first time posting, and I am on mobile, so please bear with me. I didn't really even think much of these encounters until I read through some of the other posts on here. The first creepy encounter I had was back when I was 13. My friend and I decided to wear short denim skirts and cute tops, dumb girls trying to be sexy, I know, and walk to the movie theater near us. We were standing on a corner waiting for the light to change so we could cross, and a van pulled up in front of us to make a right-hand turn. Suddenly, the large sliding door opens, and there are about five men, 20s to 30s I'm guessing, and they're all motioning to us with their hands and telling us to hop in. I immediately grabbed my friend's arm and took us a few steps back, and said something along the lines of, no thank you. They wound up shutting the door and then speeding off. The second encounter I had happened when I was in high school. My best friend and I left my apartment at around 6 or 7 in the evening to walk to 7-Eleven, a little convenience store, just to get some snacks since she was spending the night. As we are walking around inside, I suddenly looked out the window of the store and saw an older man just sitting in his car and staring at us. I mentioned it to my friend, and she noticed it too. We wound up paying for our stuff and leaving. As we leave, he reverses and proceeds to drive in the direction that we are going. I'm a little scared at this point because he's driving slowly but trying to play it cool. He drives past us, and we breathe a little easier until we see him driving in the opposite direction toward us, only to turn around and slowly pass us again. 
At this point, we freaked out and ran back to my place in just a few minutes and then locked the door. Never saw him again, thankfully. The last encounter is easily the scariest for me, and it's the longest. In 2014, just before midnight, I was in a bad car accident and was rear-ended. After the police took the report and I declined to go to the hospital, by the way, if you're in an accident and feel even the slightest bit of pain, please agree to go to the hospital. And I decided I wanted to try to drive home even though my trunk was basically crunched into my back seat. This happened right before my freeway exit, so I was able to get off the freeway pretty easily. I drove about a mile and realized it wasn't safe because I could hear something rubbing loudly against one of my back tires and decided to pull over behind a storage building, the kind where you rent little units to hold your things, and I parked and called my dad. I was hysterical at this point and was upset because this was my first accident. I called AAA for a tow back to my house and I called my dad back and was talking to him when a pickup truck pulled up right behind me. Their brights were on, and I could barely see through my mirrors, and I told my dad what was happening. Two figures stepped out of the truck, and they stood by their doors for a good two minutes without moving, and by this point, my dad told me to hang up and call the cops. Right as I was about to get off the phone and do just that, they both hopped into the truck and tried to peel out, and they wound up clipping my car as they sped off. The tow truck driver showed up a few minutes after they left, and I stayed on the phone with my dad until I got home safely. I have no idea what those people wanted from me, and I am so grateful that I never found out. Thank you for taking the time to read all that. Stay safe and vigilant. It was a bright and sunny Friday afternoon, where I exhausted myself going to a meeting with a university organization that I'd begun to hate. The first thing I did when the meeting ended was dash out the door into the bus stop, because... I wanted to be anywhere but there at the time. To this day, I hate that organization with a passion. Anyways, on campus there is a bus system that circulates the campus to ease transportation. Doing the normal thing to do, I waited there, though it wouldn't arrive for about 15 minutes because of the time. It was lunchtime, and bus drivers need to eat too, I had no problem with it, because it was damn hot and walking would just melt me. But me being moody from the meeting, I just waited by the side of the road where the bus usually sits, while scrolling through my phone. This is where it starts to get creepy. A car pulls up. It was silver, and it had one of those round things on top of it, the storage things, I guess. I didn't think much of it, because sometimes foreign students stop by all the time to ask for directions, so I just thought maybe she needed help. But this? This was a local, 
She rolled the window down and asked me if I wanted to go to City X, which was very close to campus, and is usually where students go to during the holidays since there's a bus terminal there. Weird, I thought. What? I asked, kind of surprised that she'd asked. I had no plans to go there either, especially not alone since I get lost easily. Do you want to lift to City X? She said again. It took me a while to respond, but I said, No, thanks anyway. Are you sure? I could give you a lift. She said, Yeah. My impatient self low-key wanting to ask her to send me to my college dorm instead since it's on the way. It's just one stop away from where I was. And I almost did it. But I didn't, and she left. I didn't notice it at first, but the minute people started coming to the bus stop, she left. No one that got there early even noticed her or her car. It was all very bizarre, and I didn't get good vibes from it, so I texted my boyfriend immediately to tell him about it. He later told me that it was freaking dangerous, and that I should have just called him if something like that happened, or at least pretended to have someone on the line. City X isn't the most crime-free either, and it was likely she wanted me to trust her since the woman was also a female, and then get in the car with her where someone in the back that maybe I didn't notice or see could grab me, or she could just not send me to City X and rob me to leave me stranded somewhere else. It was dangerous. So I warned everyone I could about the woman in the car. At the time, I didn't feel a sense of danger because of how moody I was because of the meeting. And if it weren't for the fact that I'm an indoor person who was sweating and wanted to cool off in my room and shower, I might not even be here to tell the tale. Who knows what could have happened. I'm just thankful I'm still here, curious as I may be. It could also be that someone just genuinely wanted to help. But nowadays, you can't just trust strangers even though they may seem weak or innocent. So, last night I went outside to smoke and it was super cold, so I got into my car. My headlights were off and the only light in my car was from the radio. My car was in the driveway next to my sister's car, and our house is in a cul-de-sac which I've included in a map. So, at one point, an old beat-up minivan came and turned around in the cul-de-sac. It's pretty normal for cars to come down, turn around, and just leave. It was around 11pm when this minivan showed up. After they turned around, they started to drive away. When they got near my car, they slammed on the brakes and stopped at point A on my map. This car was in the middle of the neighborhood road and eventually turned on its hazards. At this point, I'm getting kind of creeped out because who slams on the brake like that and then turns on the hazards in the middle of the road? 
Shouldn't they have pulled off to the side if something was wrong? I turned my gaze away from the car to get my phone ready in case I needed to call for help. When I turned to look back at the car, I saw a woman. She had gotten out of the car when I wasn't looking and was getting back in when I saw her. Maybe she tried to pop the hood, but she never did. She got into the driver's seat and just stayed there for a few minutes with the hazards on. So this is where I start to get freaked out. And this lady eventually reversed her car pretty quickly all the way into the cul-de-sac at point B on the attached map. She still had her hazards on and positioned her car to where the headlights were pointed directly at me and my car. My sister's car was in between, and she has very tinted windows, so I couldn't see what they were doing. All I could see were her headlights and hazard lights blinking. At this point, I called my brother who was inside to tell him what was happening, since we've had people break into his truck about a week ago, so we've been looking for suspicious cars ever since. I thought maybe this lady just got a flat tire or something happened to her engine, but she kept driving so fast, reversed fast, and then slammed on her brakes, so I don't think there was anything wrong with her car. After sitting at point B for a few moments, she turned off the hazards and sped out of the neighborhood. I have a few theories about what was going on. I think there were more people in the back of the van, and I couldn't see them. I think the lady saw my radio light originally and slammed on the brakes at point A, because they wanted to lure me out of my car. They turned on the hazards and stayed there, probably waiting for me to come help the woman. Then, when they realized I wasn't going to leave my car, they reversed to point B to shine their lights in my face to get me to come and help. Then, when they saw I was on the phone with someone, they gave up and left. It was just so weird and suspicious because they never pulled off to the side. They were either in the middle of the road or at a weird angled position to directly face me and my car. I'm not sure if it was just some crackhead, people trying to break into cars, or possible human traffickers. The whole situation freaked me out, and my gut was screaming that something wasn't right. But what do you all think? I was at the beach with my two sisters, my uncle and my aunt. I was 13, my sisters were 11 and 14. We had spent the day in the ocean and sand, and now that it was getting dark, we headed to the boardwalk for some dinner and ice cream before heading home. We were probably still in our bathing suits with a cover-up, but this was 20 years ago, and I don't remember the place we went to had a bar in the middle of it, and multiple tables surrounding the bar. My sister and I decided to sit at a booth, and my aunt and uncle sat together at a separate table, leaving a few empty tables between us. The restaurant was pretty empty. Besides us, there were a few men sitting at the bar and another family way on the other side. My sister and I felt so cool and grown up sitting by ourselves. 
and we're having the time of our lives eating, laughing, talking, and just goofing off. We were totally oblivious for most of our meal, but at one point, I felt like someone was watching me. I assumed it was my aunt and uncle watching us, but when I looked up, I noticed one of the men at the bar was looking back, making eye contact with me and just smiling at me. I smiled back, but I felt weird about it. This happened a few more times as we were eating, and I started to really feel uncomfortable. I told my sisters that there was a man looking at me and smiling, so they looked and they noticed him. They started giggling about it uncomfortably, and the man was laughing and giggling by himself at the bar with us. The next thing I knew, the man picked up his chair and completely turned it around, so the chair was now backwards at the bar and facing our table directly. He continued smiling and was now waving to me as well. We were finishing up our meal at this point, so my aunt and uncle came over to take care of the bill. I told my aunt about the man, and she looked over, and it was like he didn't even see her. His eyes were locked on me, and he wasn't moving, just staring with the biggest smile on his face. My aunt, who's a teacher, yelled, Hey, she's 13 years old. And the man suddenly noticed I was with an adult, and kind of snapped out of it. He quickly paid and left. I told my aunt and uncle the full story about how he was watching me for the whole meal, and we waited for a while before leaving. As soon as we got outside of the restaurant, there he was, just standing by the entrance of the boardwalk. He was just lingering and waiting there. This time, my aunt steered us away, and my uncle started to tell the guy off. Other people nearby heard what my uncle was saying, and a crowd of people started yelling and cursing the man off. My aunt just kept saying, don't look back. But I'm pretty sure someone punched the guy. There was definitely some sort of scuffle. At the time, I didn't realize what the big deal was. I knew it was weird, but I never thought I was in danger. Thank God my sisters and I were not alone. And that man's smile has haunted me for 20 years. Obligatory, this didn't happen to me, but to my roommate earlier today. For context, she just recently started working at a clothing store, and it's within walking distance from our place. We don't live in a terrible area, but she's very small and adorable, so I worry about her. Especially after reading so many of the terrifying encounters in this subreddit. We'll call her Sarah. At around 5pm today, I got a call from Sarah and she sounded like she was panicking. She just kept saying over and over and over again, please pick me up. I calmed her down, and I asked her what happened. Apparently, while she was working, two men walked in that immediately gave her the creeps. They were significantly larger than herself and wore all black clothes with their hoodies pulled up, 
literally textbook bad guy clothes. As Sarah was stocking items in the men's section, these two men approach that same section and start meandering the aisles, but their eyes kept darting around the store as if they were nervous or they were looking for someone. One of them looked directly at Sarah before nudging his buddy and saying something in his ear. Starting to get officially weirded out, she began to walk toward another department to continue her work. As she walked past the men, she heard one of them quietly say to the other, Did you do it yet? Unsure of what it was, she did her best to put a good amount of distance between her and them, and continued restocking. After a few minutes, she looked up to where they had been in the men's section, and they were no longer there. She looked around, and it looked as if they had actually left the store. So she felt a bit relieved. That relief was short-lived. After about five minutes, she began to get a strong feeling that someone was staring at her. She quickly turned around to find that one of the men was standing directly across the aisle from her, holding his phone up in a way that made it very obvious he was taking photos of her. As soon as they made eye contact, he turned around and speedwalked out of the store, as though he knew he'd been caught. Sarah immediately filed a report of the entire encounter to the store's security guard. He did a sweep of the store to see if the other man was still there. He had taken off too, and neither of them could be seen in the parking lot, so the security guard just took note of their appearance and that was it. Having read about how human traffickers will sometimes take photos of their victims before attempting to abduct them, I'm horrified. I wish that I could be there with her all day at work to make sure these a-holes don't come back, but the best I can do for now is drive Sarah to and from work every day. There's no way in hell I'm letting her leave that store alone and risk getting picked up off the street. So that, my dear friends, was a collection of seven terrifying encounter stories. All of these stories true and all of them posted to Reddit, and thank you to the Redditors who let me read their stories for these videos. Hopefully you guys pulled some entertainment value out of it, however, hopefully you can also take a little bit of education value from it as well. Always be cautious of your situation, always be aware of your surroundings, and if you see something, say something, basically. So... Uh, yeah, thank you again to all the Redditors, thank you to everyone who listens to this video and gets this far, and even those who don't get this far, thank you anyways, and thank you to everyone else that is out there. Just thank you to all, what, 7.9 billion people? Hang on. Hey, Google, what's the Earth's population? In 2019, the population of Earth was 7,673,533,974. That was a very exact number. Thank you to all those except for those last four. 
You know who you are and you know what you've done. Anyway, I hope you all have a beautiful day. If you enjoyed this, please do hit that subscribe button, bell icon next to it, hit that thumbs up button, let me know what you thought in the comments. And if you really want to support the channel, follow me on my social media platforms or over channel memberships or Patreon. All patrons and channel members get early access to all of my content and some extra stuff that is really neat. I'm thinking about adding something new to the Patreon list, uh, potentially for the $5 tier and up, if I can get it to um, work and get the money to get it purchased. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm broke. Anyway, I love you guys. I hope I'll see you on the next video. But until then, sleep well. <laughs>